May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May all kings fall down before him, all nations serve him. Welcome back to the Dominion Podcast. This is episode 19, and I'm here with uh, Alex Klusterman. You know, you can shout out. You don't have to just stay quiet. <laughs> well, I was like, you introduced me, so now what do I say? Well, hey. you could say hi. Yeah. Hi. Hi. Happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm here with Jeremy Boyd. That's right. That's me. <laughs> and we're actually, when we say here, we normally mean our super secret underground bunker beneath City Hall, but we're yeah. actually in a new location tonight. Yeah, we were taking some heat. They were catching on. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's why you got those tickets, right? Yeah, that's right. (laughs) They were scouring the town. That's right. They had helicopters uh, going above our locations looking for us. Uh, (laughs) No, we're actually in uh, a very special studio tonight that uh, someone has been working on for us. And if you've been listening to the podcast for a while now. You're probably familiar with our lovely intro and outro music. Well, those were created by Tristram. Mm -hmm. Not Tristram. This isn't Tristram Shandy. It's uh, Tristan. (laughs) You know, and I don't even know Tristan's last name. I should know that. Inglis. Inglis. Oh, right. That's right. I did know that. I knew you were Ben's brother. Um, And so he's built this lovely studio for us in his uh, attic. Mm -hmm. Uh, I believe, as of now, we're calling it the Upper 40. Upper 40 Studio. Upper 40 Studio. So it actually looks good. It's not like just an audio studio. It looks good. And we're eventually going to be setting up some cameras, although I don't know why anybody would want to look at us. We got Um, those faces for radio, you know? That's right. Buck teeth. (laughs) (laughs) I got the, the the Freddie Mercury buck teeth going on here. <laughs> oh. Well, we've been talking a lot of a lot of real heavy stuff over the last uh, couple yeah. months since we started this, and uh, I, for myself personally, part of the process of this last year and a bit that we've been going through uh, has almost been a process of mourning. Yeah, I've 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 been mourning for our lost culture. Uh, or the culture that I thought we had, and what I've been what I've been coming to realize is that things are not going back to the way they were, and even the way they were is not what I thought it was. Yeah, you know, we've uncovered many idols in our culture. We've uncovered many um, you know, cracked foundations uh, under the church, and mm-hmm. we're trying our best to rapidly, you know, fill the cracks and, mm-hmm. and rebuild things, uh, but. Uh, Things are not going back to the way they were, and uh, nor should they. And this is this is what God has ordained, and mm-hmm. God is sovereign over everything that's happening. So, you know, for me, it's been it's been hard in some ways to stay upbeat because I'm a generally a pretty pessimistic, dour person hmm. naturally, and uh, uh, you know, having to come to these realizations has has uh, has been tough in some areas. But there's also been some really great things that God has done over this past year, Mm -hmm. as we all know. And so tonight we just want to talk about the things we're thankful for. Yeah. Uh, We always need to be giving thanks. Yeah. Right. And uh, in all circumstances, and we do that because we know that God is sovereign. Yeah. And uh, though, you know, though maybe we're in a period of cultural decline at the moment, uh, it's not forever. Yeah. And God's kingdom is still coming. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. And I just thought... Like you said, piggybacking off that, you know, in a year that is filled with discouragement, uh, trials, difficulties, 
we need to fight even more to be characterized by gratitude and joy. Mm. And you, you, you reference First Thessalonians five eighteen. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And the circumstances of the Thessalonians and Christians uh, since um, has always included difficulty. Uh, in the world, you will have trouble, mm. Jesus said. But take heart, for I have overcome the Amen. world. And the dominant note in the life of a believer ought to be rejoicing. And I know this year has been a huge test for me personally. I mean, um, I've definitely been angry more than I've ever been in ministry and frustrated and discouraged. Um, but I've, I've also been the happiest I've ever been in life and yeah. ministry. And I just thought we should take some time tonight away from the heavy and just spend some time reflecting on giving thanks to God, rejoicing in what he's done. Mm. And, uh, you know, we need to be sorrowful yet always rejoicing. And yeah, so I just thought rather than do some cultural analysis and some, uh, you know, taking on the idols of the moment, let's, let's give, let's give thanks to God because, I mean, even this podcast has been so encouraging to me and helpful as we've, it's been an outlet for me to process these things, yeah. to work through the immediate and relevant issues. Mm-hmm. And I thought we could take this evening to really talk about what God's done in our churches, uh, what He's done in our families, and, uh, and, and just give thanks for that. So... I mean, I don't even know where to start if we... I think people might think when they look in on us, Jer, um, is they think, oh, these guys are always wound up, you know? And this, <laughs> they are, uh, you know, they're always intense and they're always angry. And, and I wonder what it's like at their church as if, yeah. if, as if, you know, we just have a, you know, anti-lockdown flag flying in our service or something. Mm. And the truth couldn't be... Uh, Further than further from that, yeah. And, I can tell you what this Sunday was like at Westmount Bible well, t- Chapel. Well, tell us what it was like this Sunday. We had some glorious time together. Nice. I mean, we always text each other after church, and yeah, that's my one my one word answer generally is that it was glorious, and it normally is. But yeah, sometimes people are just singing that much louder. Yeah, uh, the word is being preached that much stronger. Yeah, the prayers are that much. Uh, you know that I don't know what the heartfelt word would be, that much more heartfelt and the you know the the fellowship afterwards is just so much more uh, personal and, yes. and deep. Mm. I've never experienced anything like this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on a consistent basis, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we're wound up on these podcasts, and for partly because this is one time of the week where we can get together and sort of hash this stuff out yeah you know i go to work every day and i'm around people that probably don't agree with me on pretty much anything yeah you know and so when you have these opportunities to be with brothers who not only agree on the social level but have the the underlying christian convictions Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you get excited you know i'm i'm not i'm not mad i have to fight that anger yeah in my heart Mm -hmm. but generally speaking i'm not mad yeah um you know, there's a there's a uh, uh, sort of a, a letting go of that happening. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I, and I definitely feel that way as well. And uh, even with our congregation, I mean, it has felt like we are in the midst of a revival. Yeah. That's how it honestly feels like. 
and the the evidence of that is is are things that can only be ascribed to the work of the spirit mm. um, it is possible to gather a crowd around a person or a um, you know any other goal but it's impossible to produce the fruit of the spirit in people's lives apart from the spirit of God mm. and in our congregation I can say as a pastor, the, the fruit of love that exists between members. I mean, I've been thinking about taking some time to devote myself more fully to, to some research and some writing. And in order to do that, I'm going to have to free up some of my schedule. And I'm thinking through the pastoral concerns, you know, the people I meet with and, and the people we pray for and, you know, the elders and I were talking and it was just so encouraging to think about every member of our church. And by and large, I mean, so many people are taking the initiative to care for, to bear the burdens of others, to mm. reach out to people. I'm almost, you know, in one sense, working myself out of a job. And it was there was this moment of realization in one of our more recent elder meetings where we were just thinking, okay, what about this, this person and these people and them? And we were able to say, oh, well, these people are caring for them and these people have reached out to them and they're connected to this fellowship group. And mm. um, it's just, it's been amazing. And it hasn't been because we've coerced people into it. It's because that's where the Spirit working through the Word and the encouragement and the fellowship of the saints has led people to be, to just care for one another, mm -hmm. to bear one another's burdens and love. I mean, Sunday services, I was almost sad when we opened up. This past Sunday, because every Sunday, and I, I'm sure you and Jason can testify to this as well, every Sunday feels like the seriousness of your last Sunday with the joy of your first Sunday in 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> it just feels like that. Yeah. It feels like it, it. there's the weightiness to what we're doing, the seriousness to it. And yet the joy that's, that's it's like Christmas every single Sunday. It's like, yeah. oh man, I haven't seen my brothers and sisters in a whole week. <laughs> yeah. But I've, I mean, I've had many moments in my life as a Christian and in ministry where I've loved church, you know, and I would say even the majority of Sundays I enjoy, but I've never in my life had the level of joy in the fellowship of the saints uh, the corporate gathering on the Lord's Day, as I've had. And that yeah. seems to be pervasive. Yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head uh, focusing on the supernatural element, right? This is a work of the Spirit. Yeah. Because the a lot of the things that made me love church uh, as a child growing up, you know, yeah. the fellowship and all those, all those things, those things can come and go. And there are even times where, because of sin in our own hearts, we don't want those things. Right. Right, I was talking to Jason about this earlier. Some people don't want to be in a smaller church. They want to be in a, a church where they can be anonymous. You can go sit in the pew and nobody's going to dig into your life and you know find the skeletons, so to speak. But you can still yeah. go and feel like you're being fed. Mm -hmm. Well, that you can't do that in a smaller church where everybody's checking up on you. How mm -hmm. you doing this week? Hey, let's get together. We can have a barbecue. Mm -hmm. I mean, the amount of the amount of fellowship happening at Westmount amongst all the members is is unbelievable. Yeah. Some people have just opened up their home wide open. Yeah. And they're having people almost every every 
night of the week. There's yeah. people over there fellowshipping, eating, and That's praying, amazing. and so yeah, definitely what, a supernatural. Yeah, work you, of the you talk there. about even more evidences like the word landing, the word coming with such a yeah weight. Um, it's like every week, and and I don't know how you you can't plan this when you're preaching. Uh, expositionally yeah like going through a a book verse by verse but it seems like every week whatever jason's preaching is applying to our situation right i mean that's just god working through his word right yeah and it's not that it's being twisted to fit every situation but Mm -hmm. the spirit is applying that to our our hearts Mm -hmm. on a weekly basis Mm -hmm. in a powerful way yeah we've found that i don't know when we i forget when we started the book of acts again but we did not anticipate. I mean, there's been many weeks where I, I think about what I'm preaching. I look at the text and I think, if I could have chosen a verse in the Bible to yeah. be preaching this week, <laughs> it would be this verse. But I didn't choose it. Yeah. And and as a pastor, I mean, you you pray for the word to land on people and to impact people and shape people and you know, the feedback I get and the transformation that the word is doing in people's lives is so uncharacteristic of of what I've experienced as a normal operation of the spirit. And, you know, which is just further evidence. It's not my, my sermons haven't gone through the roof or something as far mm-hmm. as from a, a, a human level. Um, I, I certainly feel a weight and I feel a A weight and a seriousness and... Um, like gravitas? Yes. When I go into the pulpit, like yeah. this, it, it, like how I put it before, it feels like the last sermon I may ever preach mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, and I, I preach that way more. And that's just a work of God too, even in my life, because that is how we need to preach. That is how we need to live. We need to live as if the days are evil. Yeah. I mean, you don't know when you get up into the pulpit if... Everyone in the audience, everyone in the congregation is going to be there next week. No, hundred percent. But we, we but we live like that. <laughs> yeah, we often assume that. I don't even know if I will be here next week. Yeah, but sometimes God just takes trials to expose the reality of the situation. Mm-hmm. Trials aren't always a separate reality till we get back to normal. No, it's like no living on the precipice of death with five thousand fathoms beneath us is always the human experience, as C.S. Lewis yeah. alluded to. I, I think Kierkegaard uh, made a comment about that. So, I mean, we always need to preach and live as if though as if as if there are, you know, a thousand fathoms beneath us. Yeah. And this past year has really brought a weight and a seriousness to ministry, whether it's the ministry yeah. we are engaged in or receiving from. Um yeah, and we've—I mean—we've had to really dig down, uh, and we've done this together on the podcast. Mm-hmm. But as um, the as the elders have had to do at Westmount, and the rest of us that help with some of the teaching there have mm-hmm. had to do, is okay. We've identified now a whole bunch of locations in our theology that were weak. Yeah, as a yeah. result of this, you know, when this hit, and we're having to convince people that there are times where you may need to disobey the government. That should be a given for every Christian at yeah. all times. But we weren't prepared. We no. we weren't teaching properly or yeah. deeply enough. 
Uh, and even today, I was having a conversation with uh, Jason and one of the other teachers at Westmount about how, even though we've gone through ecclesiology this year, the st- the the doctrine of the church, we still need to go way deeper. Yeah, you know, as now as we're dealing with this sifting of the church and members from other churches leaving, and members from our church leaving, and and there's like a movement of of uh, congregants in a sense, we need to figure out how do we do this. Um, what is the right and God honoring way to to be the church we need to be at this time? And we still got a lot of work to do. Yeah. But that's been great. That's been great to have these, uh, like as you know, I'm not a theologian. I haven't been to seminary, any of that stuff. But it's good to have uh, topics that you know. It's like I need to dig into this, mm-hmm. and so you dig in. It's like having a goal. Uh, it's goal oriented teaching almost, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, we need to get to the bottom of this mm-hmm. now, like mm-hmm. last week, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's been great for us too, is identifying uh, weak spots, uh, areas of concern, and mm-hmm. all that sort of thing. Yeah. Another thing I've, I've been thankful for in my own life is, um, I would say more than ever, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Yeah. Where, I mean, so Saturday nights, Jeremy and I do preaching in the park. We just started doing that every Saturday night, and we go and Jeremy leads some songs, and I do some preaching. And um, there's been visitors showing up, and a couple of weeks we've had people who are there at the the place where we're meeting before we are, and and I'm you know embarrassed to say it, but there's a time when I would feel awkward publicly proclaiming Christ. I mean, it's one thing in the church where mm-hmm. that's why we're here. <laughs> yeah, Even yeah. if you're not a Christian, you're, you're stepping into our territory, and there's there's a safety in that for me. It's like, well, what were you expecting? But when you go publicly um, mm. proclaiming Christ, it raises the stakes. I mean, all the questions come through to my mind, the things I'm insecure about. What if they think I'm stupid or crazy? What if they get angry? What if it doesn't go over well? And through a variety of circumstances, you know, preaching, um, speaking at a protest, preaching in the park, um, God has just whittled that away. And I just want to testify to His faithfulness that when you walk in obedience in spite of your fears, um, God blesses that. Mm. And uh, I mean, I remember not only in the public speaking aspect, but even just as a, as a Christian, um, there was a definitive moment in the first lockdown where I had read several things, been encouraged by some brothers, um, Dr. Joe Bood, uh, Pastor Aaron Rock, um, led the Reopen Ontario Churches thing, and they, I listened to some of their teaching and, and really developed some theological moorings that I just did not have. And then I saw the the crisis in people's lives in my own congregation, and people in my community passing away, and um, actually was rebuked by a, you know, an agnostic historian, uh, you know, kind of saying, "What is going on with the church? When in the world has there been a pandemic and the church has just become a mouthpiece for the state? I guess you guys are the ones who actually have something transcendent to help people in their misery." And I was just shattered by that. Mm-hmm. And um, I went to the dinner table and I told Beck, I can't before God 
prohibit people from publicly assembling. I can't do that. And I, I felt for months like I was crushing my conscience and living in sin, that I knew that I had a duty as a shepherd and as a Christian towards people that I was neglecting because, with the excuse, but I'm, I'm just doing what I'm told. And it was eating away at me. And at the dinner table, I said, look, so like this Sunday I'm preaching. So if it's in our backyard, wherever it is, and this is the first lockdown. It's pretty intense. And I just had I just broke down, you know, I just wept at the dinner table. And it was it was tears of relief. Um, and honestly, brother, that was such a defining moment in my life. It was almost like I reached a fork in the road and it was as serious as are you going to follow Jesus yeah. and I've seen so many guys who went the other way and they're not coming around like they're further down that road like the excuses are getting greater and greater and greater and greater yeah. and the more that happens it's like hey guys remember when you said if this happens we'll, we'll turn around it happened what's up oh yeah. three more excuses hey guys remember when you made this excuse okay here it is what are you going to do crickets hey remember when we were supposed to care for the poor and all that stuff what about that nothing and I don't say this in any way to boast or brag but to just testify something has changed in me seeing the boldness of my brothers around Ontario and Alberta mm. being faithful mutual encouragement you through this, our friendship, the elders, uh, Rylan and Ben, just such faithful guys, Jason and the guys at Westmount. It's just, it was almost like this saved me, you know, like I was, I was converted, but I wasn't, the Lord needed to do something in me. It's like, are you really going to follow me? Yeah. Whatever the cost, are you willing to pick up your cross? And I, I just want to testify that that was the best decision I ever had, and I'm the happiest I've ever been. And life's been harder in ways, and, and the sorrow's been deeper, but I've truly never been happier mm. in ministry. And I go to sleep with a clear conscience. Yeah, me too. I have anxieties over people. I have anxiety, as Paul says, for all the church, things that discourage and, and worry me and frustrate me, but... I have a clear conscience before God, mm. and um, for a while there, I couldn't say that. Mm. But but that's been, I mean, a huge gift. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we talked about this a bit last week, but uh, just also the the coalition of men leaders right now, coming from all different traditions and backgrounds. Yes. Um, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Everett Piper in the States. I'm not. He was, uh, I think he was the, the president of one of the Wesleyan universities okay. for a while. So he's from that tradition. Yeah. You know, there's all, there's all these traditions where we've sort of written off the, the mm. entire, like you think of the United Church or something like that, where everybody's basically just gone off the cliff. Yeah. We've sort of written off all these denominations and different movements and whether it's the charismatics or whatever, but now we're seeing this group of people that we never would have imagined come together and say, no, we, we all essentially believe that Jesus is Lord and needs to be obeyed. Yeah. And it's, it's humbling. It's been very humbling. Yeah. Uh, and encouraging. Yes. Well, it's, it's also a, a mere Christianity thing 
because Jesus is Lord is the foundational, mm. the fundamental confession of the church. And but doesn't it feel like as Christians we like the Jesus is Lord part comes when we're mature? You know, we don't make that step until later on when it should be the first the step. The first step. The first step is is Who's the boss? Yeah, renounce everything in your life yes. and follow Jesus. Yeah. And we sort of go bit by bit, and then we hope to someday attain to that. Yeah. But this has really forced my hand in a lot of aspects of my life. Like you were talking about the preaching in the park and how encouraging that is. Yeah. Like I realize that in my life, I've literally done no evangelism. Yeah. Like none. I've never gone out. I've never handed out tracts. I've never, you know, there's the occasional conversation with a friend or something like that. But like actually going and saying, I'm going to go evangelize, I've never, ever done that to my shame, Mm. right? And now it's like, no, I feel like that's a burning desire in me now that I need to be out doing something. I got to be doing something, whether Mm. it's singing some hymns under a pavilion and hopefully one or two people hear Mm. and go, what is happening over there? Mm -hmm. Like, I just need to be doing something. Yeah. So that's been an encouragement for me. Oh, it's amazing. And isn't it mutually... How the body works, you read in the book of Acts how, um, you know, when the disciples went away and they they were rejoicing because they were counted worthy right. for suffering for the name. Yeah, the effect of that was, <laughs> they got beat up yeah. and they were rejoicing. But what was the effect of that? It's mm. all the disciples were emboldened yeah, and they were strengthened and they went around preaching. And there's this, there's been this beautiful mutual encouragement you know, we look at these guys we read about online or something, and it strengthens us. And then we act out in faith and obedience, and then people around us are emboldened and um, filled with the spirit, and and a joy is manifested in their mm. lives, and a and a, a courage and a desire to share the gospel. And it just feels it feels like what Christianity is supposed to be like. Yeah, like I I hope this is the new normal. You know, this is not something we want to get through. No. It's that we we want to view all of our life as as serious and weighty and on the edge of eternity as we do now. Mm. And I mean I, I shouldn't say I'm nervous because God is faithful. Um but I it's like I want to caution our church and our our brothers and sisters to, you know, Maintain the cost of discipleship mm-hmm. and maintain the preciousness of the fellowship of the saints and the um, absolute necessity of the preached word yeah. and the dependence on God and his spirit. Um, yeah, I just reminded of uh, the book of Revelation. The, the message to is was that the Ephesian church, uh, don't forget your first, or you've lost your first love. Right. You know, They'd been through, I mean, they had the apostles there mm. one generation before, mm-hmm. and they'd lost that. Right. We don't want to lose that. We, no. want, we want this to spread. And it's encouraging looking at history. I mean, when you look at what happened in the Reformation, basically two or three core group of people changed the whole world. Yeah. If you look where all the influential people came out of, you know, there was Geneva, uh, there was uh, Martin Luther and his his group, and they basically taught 
personally taught all the guys that went out from there, yeah. Knox and all these other guys that went to their own corners of the world and ch- like literally changed the world. That's encouraging to me too, because you're, when we're looking around and we're seeing that like one church in all the GTA was open yeah. through this, like yeah. one. Yeah. And you think, how are we ever going to change? How, how are we ever going to win enough people yeah. to change this culture? Yeah. Right. Cause it's, we're not gonna we're not gonna lobby for a better government and get it if if the people are all idol worshippers. Yeah. Right. You know, we need yeah, we need to change hearts and minds. Well yeah. the Holy Spirit needs to do the work, right? Mm-hmm. But, yeah, but that's encouraging to me. And seeing um you were talking about our brothers out west and of course uh Tim Stevens is back in jail now yeah, as of bless yesterday him. and man, I don't know if you saw that video of them. Oh, it's so it's heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Yeah. Watching the, the children weeping and the police just you know smiling and <laughs> being friendly friendly tyr- tyrants right yeah yeah it's crazy but seeing that courage man and when we saw like macarthur finally stand up and, mm. and like those were moments for me when i see this like these are my people yeah this is my tribe yeah i don't want to be on the other side of this no i'm fine i'll you know if if i ever get ticketed or arrested or whatever i'm cool mm-hmm. i want to be stand with, up and be yeah, counted yeah i want to be one of those guys yeah you know these are my mentors and yeah and what heroes. a gift what a gift right yeah. what that we would have such mentors and yeah. such examples in the faith to imitate to follow um just so god is so good i mean even the even through persecution realizing that blessed are you when you are persecuted, Mm. that it's actually a sign of God's favor. And we've been rewarded with an abundance of his spirit and his joy. Like it's, it's, you know, you know, who else, who else is filled with his, his joy the way that we are, you know, Mm. and um, something is changed when you view conflict and controversy with a smile, you know, I mean, I've even just, just personally, I've had a bunch of articles written up, right. You know, about me. I remember when the first one came out, it was like, I had that kind of nervous feeling. It's like, you hear there's a rumor about you in high school or something. (laughs) Like it's like that awkward, uncomfortable. It's like, that doesn't feel good. But by the time the third one came out and it was the most serious, I just didn't care. Like I, I, I don't, I don't view it the way I used to. Not as in I'm indifferent or callous. It's just, you know, scoffing and reviling don't bother me. You know, they don't shake me. Yeah, I don't know why we would expect anything different. That's kind of the point yeah. I'm, I'm coming to in my yeah. mind. Like, yeah, you're like, oh, man, well, can't they see? Well, no, they can't see. Yeah. They're blinded by sin, yeah. right? <laughs> they, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, we should, we would be remiss if we didn't mention specifically just even the partnership between Westmount, oh yeah, Bible Chapel and Hill City. I mean, for people who don't know, because um, I, I mean, our listeners are worldwide, so um, there's probably some people, really, yeah, probably some people <laughs> in Fiji right now listening. Uh, in. I hope so. Enjoy <laughs> the sun for me, would you? <laughs> the Dominion podcast from sea to sea, and we don't even go from the borders of Peterborough. <laughs> yeah. No, we do. We we've gone global, but um, for those who don't know, we lost our building over this because our landlords, professing believers, um, did some really shady, underhanded things, and decided to go above and beyond what the 
health orders were, mm-hmm. uh, which effectively For political reasons. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Self protectionist and and just cowardly. And they decided to, which would have prohibited members from coming to our church. So we had to say, well, I guess we can't meet here then. Mm-hmm. And um, Westmount Bible Chapel took us in without, I mean, I told them we weren't going to. And, and Jason insisted, and the elders insisted. And um, we didn't know at the time, but we would be going into another lockdown. And I don't know if you guys at this point, I don't think you guys knew exactly what you would do in another lockdown. And through a work of God's grace and spirit, you know, the the elders chose to stay open there and and we were able to keep meeting as well at a different time. And uh, God protected us through all this. Mm -hmm. I mean, some, a lot of our brothers have faced uh, so much pressure from the press, from the police, from the the politicians. I don't know of any other churches that have been open through all the lockdowns other than the first one yeah. that haven't been you know haven't been at least threatened to have yeah. the building taken away. Yeah. Westmount hasn't even been ticketed. Yeah. I mean, you got ticketed yeah. for one of your services yeah. and for one of your preaching in the parks. Two preaching in the parks. Two yeah. preaching in the parks. Uh but um but we haven't been ticketed for anything. Yeah. We've yeah. had complaints. Uh, we've had the police troll the parking lot, but it hasn't amounted to anything. Yeah. And I, I don't understand why that is because, I mean, our leadership in this town, if they were an airplane, would have two left wings. Like yeah. They're, yeah. They're way out there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not like they like us or anything like no. that. But No. Yeah. And I mean, that's just the favor of the Lord. and But the point is, in my life and ministry, I've heard a lot of guys talk about partnership in the gospel, but this is the most clear evidence I've ever seen of that partnership lived out. Mm. And we've been building a partnership for years between our churches. Um, our leadership gets together on a monthly basis to pray and study together and to encourage one another. Um but I've never, because it's a costly partnership. This is what's different. It is a costly partnership. You mentioned me. I brought heat to you guys. No one was talking about your leadership. People were writing articles about me in the paper. I was getting tickets, and they were mentioning you because we were meeting there. Yeah. And. But they never once mentioned that we were meeting. No. Which the health people and the mayor and the police knew. Yeah. They know that. Well, they've done this everywhere. There's even at West, there's churches they know that are meeting. Yeah, they and don't they still... want other churches to know that churches are meeting yeah. because that'll encourage them. But the point is, for the sake of encouragement, is that Westmount was taking a risk, right? It was a costly partnership. It's by having Hill City in our building, we even the complaints that came against us were from us. You guys weren't complained about it in the mornings, it was in the evenings when we had the Reddit guy. Yeah, and yeah. they called the cops, right? That was on our church, which yeah. if we weren't there, wouldn't have happened. And that week, Jason took a call from the police, the health unit, and the media. And he didn't even tell me about it. I come to sit down, he kind of off the cuff mentions these conversations. I'm like, man, this guy's just running heat for me. You know what I mean? He's just like taking, he's like, look, I'm going to draw their fire over here. <laughs> and I'm like, that is a true partnership. In the gospel, you know? Well, we've both been blessed. I mean, when uh, we met with you guys in your location, your secret, secret out-of-town 
uh, location yep. for two weeks yep. at one point, just uh, as things were really heating up, just to sort of cool things down a bit. And we had uh, two weeks of joint church, which was fantastic. So encouraging. I mean, hearing over 200 people or yep. thereabouts singing their hearts out in a field. Oh, yeah. Is awesome. It was. <laughs> yeah. And it was just a reflection of our unity in the gospel. Yeah. And uh, we have our flavors, our differences, but what unites us is far, far deeper. And I mean, it's not like either of us are baptizing babies or no, anything like that. No, no. I mean, let's let's be real. Yeah, I mean, shout out to those guys. There's there's some good ones. Um, yeah, no. Although we, the we Sab- do love our Presbyterian. The, the Sabbatarians have got to be the biggest hypocrites of 2020. Let's just get that straight. I didn't even know we had Sabbatarians in Canada. Yeah, yeah. There's some of them. Wow. So are the Seventh Day Adventists still meeting on Saturdays? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But all that to say, the Lord's been good. He has been. He's been very good. He's been very good to us. It's been a super encouraging year. Both of our yeah. churches are growing. Um, you know, like we're saying off air, that presents challenges and opportunities. Um, but we've been baptizing people, and I've we've reached the more people with the gospel than we ever have, mm. and I mean maybe even combined. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, God is doing so much. I want to encourage our listeners. We we don't actually meet in a bunker beneath the city because we're just stewing in our own bitterness. That we no. we have so much to rejoice in, and Amen. God has been so good to us. Amen. And uh, yeah, uh, there's I mean, there's the personal friendship aspect of this too. Of course. I mean, if I wanted, uh, not so much now that our our I don't even know what zone we're in color color code system mm-hmm. or whatever government zone we're in but yeah it, things are a little more open now than they were last week yeah but for three months there after christmas i can't i couldn't get my friends to hang out with me yeah right? it's like you know the people i've grown up with my whole life um not interested because the government doesn't doesn't allow that right so well what am i gonna do i'm gonna call my other friends yeah all my all the friends that do want to hang out with me yeah are my church family mm-hmm. and you guys you mm-hmm. know and so those are the friendships now that are really getting um, getting nurtured mm-hmm. and strengthened, which is, you know, in, in one sense, unfortunate. And in another sense, it's it's fantastic because, yeah. you know, love you guys. Yeah. Yeah. And vice versa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the relationships have definitely been strengthened. Yeah. I mean, our friendship, obviously. Um, I mean, I'm there's no daylight between Ben and Ryland and I. And even our our church, I just love our members of our church, and I enjoy them. I like being around my congregation. Um, I, you know, we're we're so much closer with with people at Westbound. I even convinced Tristan to build a studio that we could use. You know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is it's a beautiful studio too. Let me describe it, it for you. We got a bit of an A-frame attic with the knee wall situation going on. We got nice white walls with uh, some driftwood and a dead deer's head with some, what is that, one, two, three, four, five, six. That's a 12-point buck on the wall there. Tristan took it down himself. That's right. You took it down. Um, How do you get all the flesh off of that, by the way, Tristan? I'm going to ask you that after we turn the mics off. (laughs) He's actually just watching us talk. Uh, with headphones on. We need to get Tristan mic. He needs to have a mic for these moments, you yeah, know? because I want to know, what do you, just boil it off or just leave it outside and let the, the birds have at it? 
Did you eat the cheeks? The eyeballs? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I have so many questions. So many questions. Either way, this is a beautiful studio. Tristan put hours and hours and hours of work into this. And so someday soon you'll be able to see us. Yeah. In all of our glory. Mean mug in the camera. <laughs> That's it. And hey, Tristan will be hopefully doing some recording and dropping some music of his own. That's, That's the right. goal with his studio. So stay That's tuned right. for that. We'll have more deets as That's they come. Right. Well, uh, actually, and I've had a scripture passage open on my lap here the whole time. I just haven't been able to wedge it in yet, but uh, it's sort of apropos um, to my first point where I was talking about that mourning over your culture. Mm-hmm. And this is from Lamentations. I think of Jeremiah weeping over Jerusalem and seeing all the ruin caused by the sin of the people of Israel. Yes. And in a sense... What we're seeing now is that judgment of God on our culture, mm-hmm. right? It's the releasing of the hand, uh, God's hand of restraint. Yes, uh, it's God saying, "You want it that way, have it your way." Yeah. this is what that this is what autonomous quote unquote man's will looks like when you play it out. Mm-hmm. And so Jeremiah is sitting in the ruins, and uh, he says this. So Lamentations three, um, start at verse nineteen. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, Mm. says my soul. Therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Mm-hmm. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. And then uh, skipping to verse 31. For the Lord will not cast off forever, but though he cause grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men to crush underfoot all the prisoners of the earth, to deny a man justice in the presence of the Most High, to subvert a man in his lawsuit, the Lord does not approve. No. Amen. So, I mean, I feel like we're at that point, maybe to a lesser degree than Jeremiah was, but sitting in the smoking ruins of uh, what we thought her culture was mm-hmm. and just waiting patiently for the salvation of the Lord. Yeah, and his love never ceases. Amen. Yeah. Well, for the good portion, it's this is going to be a more of a book recommendation. Yep. Uh, and I'm just going to read a real quick thing. Um very helpful book called The Forgotten Trinity by James White. Have you read this one? I have not. This is a fantastic book on the Trinity, uh, which is a subject shrouded in misunderstanding. Uh, and uh, even among uh, good churches, people have a hard time defining the Trinity correctly uh, and identifying problems with you know some of the analogies we would use for it. So I'm just going to read his basic definition of the Trinity. And then I'm going to commend this book to you. And there's an audio uh, version of this now on mm. Audible that you can get. So it's called The Forgotten Trinity by James White, one of my favorite apologists. So here's his definition of the Trinity. Within the one being that is God, there exists eternally three co-equal and co-eternal persons, namely the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so his, the whole book is him working out that definition um, you know how to not describe the Trinity in a way that's that's heretical or going to cause other problems down the road, and so very very helpful for us to understand 
I mean, we need to understand who God yeah. is, right? This is foundational. Also, if you can't read that book, you could watch Lutheran satire. <laughs> <laughs> What's Lutheran satire? Oh, so I know what we're doing All right. after this podcast. Lutheran satire, the Trinity. It's like is a, that a YouTube channel? It's yeah, it is. They have like uh, St. Patrick come on and oh, okay, I have seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so good. He's got the four leaf or the three leaf clover and all <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> no, James White's book is definitely better. But if you're looking for a flyover, yeah, you want to fly over and some chuckles. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. it's good. Well, thanks so much for joining us. I don't know. Do you have something beautiful you want to say before we leave? <sighs> no, man. We got some books on the wall. We're there. in a beautiful space. It is a beautiful space. Well, we'll fire up some something beautiful and uh, to tickle the ears. Maybe when That's you get right. home. All right, maybe I'll do that. I'll think of something real nice, real nice, Clark. <laughs> well, for Jeremy and Alex and Tristan, who's hiding in the back room, thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week, episode twenty next week. That'll be a milestone for us. So we'll see you then. <laughs>